Good morning. If we haven't met yet, my name is Kayla Harden. I serve as the pastor of Congregational Connections here at Eastside. And today we are in week two of our new sermon series titled Discover Hope. And as Pastor Scary, Pastor Carrie, not Pastor Scary, Pastor Carrie shared with you last week, we will be working our way through the book of Luke, looking at different people and their encounters with Jesus. How when they did encounter Jesus, how it changed their lives moving forward and how they found hope in him. And our prayer is that you too will encounter Jesus as we journey through these stories, that you can find the hope that only he brings. Now, as many of you are probably aware, I have two children. I have two boys, Aiden, who is seven, and Carter, who is three. And now there were many, many things that have surprised and confused me since becoming a parent. I was very surprised to find out how much I don't like bubbles. Like I thought that they were cute before, but when your children have them, they just get sticky and they get everywhere. And I, I understand that by admitting this here and now, a few of you are thinking I'm gonna buy her bubbles. Yes, I know. But then there's also the things that, that came out of my mouth as a parent that I never expected that I would have to say. Like, stop drinking your bath water. You can have dessert, but first you finish your pizza. Stop hitting your brother with a lightsaber. Now that last one, you can put a lot of things in there. Stop hitting your brother with a stuffed animal. Stop hitting your brother with a pillow. Stop hitting a bro your brother with some pizza. There's just a lot of things that have come out of my mouth that I never expected to have to say. And there are questions that my children bring to me that confuse me. My three-year-old is in that wonderful phase where everything is, why? But why? Why? And I'd love to say that I can answer his questions because several of them are good, but, but this why line of reasoning, a lot of things just don't hold up to that. You need to go take a nap, but why? Because sleep is good for you, but why? Because your body needs to rest, but why? Because I need to rest. You get the picture. And as much as I'd love to say that I can answer all these questions, I'm not omniscient, as I'm sure most of you are aware, I am not omniscient. And now this phenomenon is not really new. In fact, if you've encountered a three-year-old ever, you've probably had to deal with the why question. But what is new is that now we kind of have this availability to, to find answers. We can ask Alexa or we can Google it. We live in a time where we have information at our fingertips. And while we shouldn't feel confused because we can find the answers to so many questions, we are. Even though we have access to all of this information, we are confused. This beautiful world of the internet has opened us up to more confusion. How do you know what you're reading is true? How do we know who we can trust? Our search for truth has become complicated, and this extends to deeper truths and just accurate news or answers to preschooler questions. We've gotten to the point where we are confused about who we are and who Jesus is. But this isn't new. In fact, in our story this morning, we will see someone who is confused about who he was, and we'll see people who are confused about who Jesus was. Our story is found in Luke chapter eight, verses 26 through 39. You're welcome to follow along in your Bibles if you'd like. Our story takes place early in Luke's account of Jesus' ministry. He's called disciples, and he's been traveling with them from city to city, village to village, teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. 
He's healed people and even brought a young boy back from the dead. He's told parables of seeds sown and lamps lit. And our story this morning, it actually takes place right after the events that Pastor Kerry shared with you last week. When Jesus loaded all of his disciples onto a boat and they crossed this lake, encountering this great storm that Jesus calmed with just words. They sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, an area that was dominated by Gentiles with a small Jewish population. And now if those terms are new to you, the the Jews were, were God's chosen people in the Old Testament and all of Jesus and his disciples, they were all Jewish. And Gentiles were those other people. They were the ones that they did not associate with. They were the ones that were unclean. And so Jesus and his disciples have crossed this lake, this treacherous journey, and they land in an area dominated by Gentiles. Once they landed, they began to dock the boat. Those disciples were, they were quiet. They were still processing the events on the lake. I mean, who is this man? How could he calm a storm with simple words? They had been so sure they were going to die and they had even been frustrated with him because he was sleeping through it. Several of the disciples, the the former fishermen, they began to secure their boat as the rest stepped on to the safety and the security of dry land. A couple disciples began to talk quietly amongst themselves, but but soon they they heard something. Do you, you hear that? Asked one of them. I don't hear anything, said another. No, no, I hear that. I hear something. But it sounds like somebody's shouting from far away, replied another. They began to scan the surrounding hills and cliffs. There, one said, pointing. Over there, I see someone. They're running, but, but something's not quite right. Something is off about this guy. The others stared, and, and soon those disciples who had been taking care of securing the boat had joined the rest of the group. The whole group was fixated on this figure, trying to figure out what was off about him. And as the figure approached, the realization of his wrongness dawned on all of them. Yes, he was running and shouting and acting erratic, but he was also completely naked. He ran up to the disciples, who instinctively took a collective step back as they looked at him. His hair was matted. Dirt covered him from head to toe. His fingernails were long and untrimmed with mud caked beneath them. His eyes were wild, jumping from person to person until they finally fell on Jesus. He tilted his head to the side and he opened his mouth, revealing a couple missing teeth. An otherworldly scream departed his lips and he fell prostrate before Jesus. And although his disciples were staring with with wide eyes and gaping mouths, Jesus' face was filled with a mixture of compassion and knowing like he somehow knew exactly what was happening, even if his disciples were more confused than ever. See, Jesus knew. He knew how this man had been possessed. He knew that his life had not been his own for such a long time. Jesus knew how this man would suffer these intense episodes where he was overcome. Now the people in his village, I mean, they tried to help. They wanted to keep him from harming himself and from harming others, but their best version of help was to chain him up and put locks around his ankles. But when he was overcome, he would just snap those chains apart like a cracker and run off to the wilderness. Jesus knew how long this man had suffered, 
naked and living amongst tombs instead of within the warmth and safety of a home with a community of friends and family around him. Jesus knew, and he was going to do something about it. He issued a command that the demon leave the man, set him free. And in a loud voice that didn't quite sound human, the man screamed, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please don't torment me, I beg of you. The disciples instinctively took another step back. But Jesus stood firm and asked him, what is your name? The man looked everywhere, but Jesus' eyes, legion, he hissed in a deep, throaty voice. Now, the author of this text, Luke, he gives us this little side note to help explain. You see, a legion, it was a common Roman military grouping of a couple thousand people. And the author of Luke tells us that this is because of the many demons who had entered him. They implored Jesus to not cast him off into the abyss, even requesting to go into this herd of pigs that was eating nearby, one within sight of the disciples and Jesus. And Jesus did. So the demons that had been ruining this man's life, they left him completely, taking the chaos and the confusion into the herd of pigs. There were a few men who were tending the herd of pigs. They had heard the screams of the possessed man and they knew who he was and they knew what he did and so they followed his, his journey. They saw him as he approached Jesus. Now they couldn't quite hear what was being said but, but they watched with curiosity as the possessed man was talking with Jesus and then as he pointed up to their herd of pigs. They watched as Jesus nodded. And then the pigs that had been quietly grazing suddenly began to make noise. It started with a loud squealing that spread through the herd like wildfire. They began to move, bumping into each other and moving erratically. The men turned their gaze from Jesus to watch in horror as their pigs began to run towards the edge of the cliff. They shouted, calling out in a way that would normally have stopped the herd, trying to do anything, but it wasn't working. Something had taken hold of these swine. They were unable to stop them and they could only watch powerless as their livelihood ran to their demise in the lake. When they came out of their shock, they realized something unnatural had just occurred. They looked down at Jesus and they saw the whole group staring at them. They were filled with fear and they ran back to their village and to the countryside. They began to tell people what had happened. Soon a crowd made their way to where Jesus and the disciples were gathered. The crowd was filled with people who had known the formerly possessed man. They had been the ones to try and chain him up, to constrain him. So you can imagine their shock. When they come out to get answers about this devastating economic event, and they see this man sitting at the feet of Jesus, fully clothed and in his right mind, made whole again. He sat at the feet of Jesus, hanging on his every word, shock quietly turned to fear. I mean, what kind of man is this? So they ask him to leave. Instead of rejoicing in what Jesus had done in this man's life, instead of rejoicing in how he was now made whole, fear kept them from experiencing Jesus for themselves. But the formerly possessed man, he begged to go with Jesus, to join him in the boat and to cross the lake with his disciples. You gave me my life back, he said. 
His voice returned to a normal tone. Please, let me come with you. Let me be one of your disciples. Jesus looked at him, full of compassion, and smiling, he said, I have a better plan for you. Stay here. Go back to your home and tell everyone what God has done for you. Let your story of being set free release them from their fear. You see, they're afraid of me now, but they'll listen to you. The man nodded, his disappointment evident, but he owed Jesus everything. And so he went back around the whole city telling everyone who would listen what Jesus had done for him. Now this story can be a tricky one. It's probably not one you'll see in a Veggie Tales episode or depicted in your children's storybook Bible. But in it, we find a story about how Jesus cut through the confusion to provide hope. Not just for this one man, but for the community around him as well. First, let's take a look at the man who was possessed. For years, he was plagued with, with violent episodes. When Jesus encounters him, he had essentially been cut off from the community around him. He hasn't been able to live in the safety of home. He hasn't worn clothes or been with people. And while the people in his village, I mean, they tried to help, but their best version of helping was chains that he could break apart so easily. He spent his life being alone and vulnerable. And when he was asked what his name was, his reply was legion. This man was confused about who he was. In the fall of 2020, I began working at a place called Wheeler Mission as a volunteer engagement manager. Now, Wheeler Mission is a, a mission downtown that works to serve uh, men, women, and children who are experiencing homelessness. Now, they provide services like food, meals, they give housing, but they also have addiction recovery with the aim of introducing these people to Jesus. And although my job was mostly just to coordinate with volunteers to make sure that this ministry could happen, I was... Um, I encountered so many stories of these men and women who had felt trapped in their addictions, powerless and hopeless. You see, many had had trauma or pain or abuse or hurt in their lives, and, and so they had turned to substances to escape that pain. But soon they found their lives feeling like it was out of control. See, at Wheeler, we, we had this saying that people don't become homeless when they run out of resources, they become homeless when they run out of relationships. And many of the men and the women who were changed in this program, they had started out just like the man in our story this morning. They felt out of control of their lives. Many, in the many of the people in their lives had tried to help, but it always came up short. They were alone, without resources, and without relationships. But then Jesus. But then Jesus stepped into their lives and transformed it. They still had work to do. Oh, it takes work to be free from addiction. But with Jesus, they had the hope to keep going. Their lives were transformed by an encounter with Jesus, just like the man in our story. And while my guess is that many of us are not really controlled in the way that he was, driven to living in the wild and hanging out in graveyards, we've still felt that confusion on who we are. I mean, have you ever felt like you're defined by your worst decisions? Have you ever felt like you were controlled by your worst impulses? Maybe there are days where you wake up and you feel like you'll never get past that habit or that addiction. 
Or maybe you have a relationship that needs healing. Or maybe you feel controlled by your anger and bitterness. Or maybe it's depression or anxiety or a whole list of things that leaves you feeling powerless and hopeless. Like there's nothing you can do about it and that you are stuck this way. But then Jesus. You see, the first step out of this confusion is the one toward Jesus. Maybe you feel unsure of who you are, like you've lost a piece of your identity. Like the man in our story and so many others, in Jesus, in his actions, in his teachings, in his love, you will find the greatest purpose and identity that you could have ever dreamed of. See, this encounter with Jesus, it left this man with a better understanding of who he was. After spending years lost in confusion, an encounter with Jesus gave him a better, clearer picture of his identity than the people who had surrounded him had of themselves. See, he was in his right mind. He was able to make decisions and choices and wear clothes. Even more than that, he understood that this encounter with Jesus meant he needed to listen to his teaching and follow him. He understood that his identity was through the lens of Jesus and that gave him clarity. Now something else to notice in this story is that when Jesus, what Jesus went through to get to this man. Last week, Pastor Carey shared how Jesus and his disciples had loaded into a boat, they had crossed a lake, they had risked this great storm that threatened to capsize the whole boat, and then they land, and Jesus heals this one man, and then he has to leave. See, Jesus crossed this lake and healed this man, immediately having to leave what's more interesting in that is that the fact that this man was a Gentile. Like I said before, normally Jewish people would not hang out with the Gentiles because they were unclean. Now let's add to the fact that this guy was naked and hanging out in graveyards. He seems like the last candidate you would expect for Jesus to go and visit. But Jesus and his disciples put in a lot of effort to make it to a place where Jesus could heal this isolated and vulnerable man. And there are many people who feel like they are too far gone for Jesus. They feel like they have made it to a place where there is no hope, no future. But the same Jesus that would cross a stormy lake to rescue this one man is the same one who wants to rescue you, to bring you healing, to bring you hope as well. You're never too far or too lost to find hope in Jesus. Let me say that again. You're never too far or too lost to find hope in Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and it's not you who feels too far from Jesus. Maybe you've been following him for a long time and you know the amazing power of our savior whose mere words calm storms, who has power over the evil that plagues our world. But there's someone in your life who you know, who you love, who is in that spot. And your heart breaks for them because you long for them to know Jesus the way that you do. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep looking for those opportunities for them to encounter Jesus. Even if like those townspeople, they encounter Jesus and they've told him to leave. Because when we encounter Jesus, we have a choice. The man who Jesus had healed he had a choice, and he chose to follow Jesus, to listen to his words, and to let this encounter with Jesus inform the rest of his life. But he's not the only one that encountered Jesus that day. And our story, a whole crowd of villagers also encountered him. 
You see, this crowd, they had been familiar with the man who was healed. For years, this man had been near their community. I would imagine they probably knew his backstory. Maybe they knew his parents. Maybe they had seen him grow up. They had been aware of the episodes that he suffered. They were the ones to chain him up, to try and constrain him and keep him from hurting others. They knew about how he didn't have a home, how he didn't wear clothes. They knew about how he lived in the wilderness and hung out in graveyards. And so when they arrived on the scene, they were shocked to see this man in his right mind. He was clothed and thinking clearly. The story of what had happened to him, how the evil that had been plaguing his life had been transferred to the pigs and how now he was whole, that story spread like wildfire. They knew this man, but they didn't know Jesus. From their perspective, Jesus was an uncontrollable power who within the matter of a conversation could cripple their economy. Their encounter with Jesus led them to be afraid, and as a result, they asked him to leave. They saw what he could do. They knew the extent to which the possessed man had suffered. They saw how an encounter with Jesus had changed him, and yet they still begged him to leave them alone. When the man who was healed was faced with a choice, he knew that he wanted to follow Jesus. But this crowd of people, when faced with that same choice, begged Jesus to leave. Now after choosing to follow Jesus, this man knew that he wanted to go with him. He begged him to go with him in the boat, to be one of his disciples, to travel with him. Now I can imagine that for this guy, going back to a life in his community probably didn't sound appealing. Yes, he was whole and he had been healed, but he still had a reputation. Could you imagine what it would have been like for him to try and date? or go in for a job interview? He had a reputation that would still follow him. I can imagine he didn't wanna go back to his community. But Jesus instead tells him to go back, to share what God has done for him. His encounter with Jesus, it gave him a calling. Now I can imagine that this man was disappointed. Why would Jesus tell him that he couldn't travel with him? Because sometimes the calling that Jesus gives you is not the one that you expected. See, what's interesting about this story is that with almost every miracle that Jesus has performed up to this point, he never really told anybody to go spread the word. In fact, as we are reading through the gospels, we find instances where Jesus actually tells people to be, keep quiet, to keep it a secret. In Matthew 8, verses one through four, Jesus heals a leper and says to him, say nothing to anyone about it. In Mark chapter seven, verses 31 through 37, Jesus heals a deaf mute and ordered him to tell no one. So why? Why would Jesus encourage this man to share the news? What makes this situation so different? See, I think that Jesus knew that even though this crowd of people sending him away was afraid, that they still needed to hear his message. They still needed him. And he knew that fear was keeping them from listening to him now. But this man, his experience, his life after the healing, that would help them to understand and accept his message. Sometimes the calling on our lives, it's not quite what we expected or wanted. Or we think that calling is really just for international missionaries or for pastors and church leaders. And while I think those are beautiful and wonderful callings, I think each Jesus follower has a calling to live our lives in a way that shares the good news of what Jesus has done for us. In Colossians, we find Paul encouraging believers and describing what their life in Christ looks like. 
In chapter three, verse 17, he says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Are you an accountant? Create those spreadsheets with integrity. Be ready to share Jesus with what Jesus has done with you. Are you a teacher? May the Lord bless you with extra patience as you shape the lives of children with grace and love. Do you work in retail? Let the hope that brings you life shine through every smile and encounter with a grumpy customer. See, I think that God's favorite way to work in this world is through his people. See, God has the power to do anything and everything. But he loves to use his people to move and work, to bring hope to the world. I mean, think about it. God could have easily set his people free in Egypt, but he chose to call a man named Moses who was far from perfect to lead them out of Egypt. God could have easily defeated the giant Goliath, but he called this kid named David to do it. God could have intervened to keep Haman's murderous plot from coming to fruition, but he chose Esther to keep her people from annihilation. God loves to use his people to share this hope to a confused world. Your life, your story, can have the greatest impact on a world full of people who have told Jesus to go away and leave them alone. In a few minutes, we're gonna, we're gonna sing and have some time for reflection. I don't know where you are this morning or what you need to hear. You might be sitting in this room listening or listening online. You might feel lost and confused. Maybe you feel like something else is controlling your life and you feel like there is no hope. Like your life has become about the thousands of things that you've done wrong. Maybe it's an addiction that keeps you feeling like your life is out of control. Or maybe it's brokenness in a relationship that hasn't healed and you're not sure what to do or you feel like you can't do anything to fix it. See, the same Jesus, same Jesus who calms storms with words, the same one that offers us freedom. He provides clarity on who you were created to be. Maybe you feel like you're too far gone or you know and you love someone who has told Jesus to go away time after time. Remember that Jesus would cross a stormy lake, almost sink a boat full of his own disciples just for this one man, and he would do the same for you. No one is too far gone that they cannot encounter the hope that Jesus offers. And each of us, each of us that follows Jesus, we have a calling. Like the man in this story, we might have ideas of what we want it to be. Or maybe we find ourselves thinking that my story is really not all that special. My story can't really make a difference. But just like this man, we are called to go into our communities, to go to our homes, to go back into the normal everyday life, to share the hope that God has given us through sharing our story of hope with others. So as we go from this place, as we go back home, as we go back to school, as we go back to the office, let your life, let your story show hope to all of those around you who have begged Jesus to leave them alone. Would you pray with me?
Lord Jesus, we stand in awe of you. Mighty, powerful, loving. Lord, right now I pray for everyone who is listening, for those who are on campus, for those who are online. I pray that you will speak to them what they need to hear. If there's someone who feels lost and confused, I pray that you will bring them clarity, that you will bring them healing, that you will free them from the chains that are holding them down. If they have someone that they love, I pray for that person as well. And Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, you'll make our calling clear, that you'll give us the courage to share how our story can help others find the hope that is only found in you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.
you go from this place, my prayer is that you will, you will discover hope in your everyday living, that you will find freedom, and that you will live your life in such a way that others find the hope of Jesus in your story. Go in peace.